Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast, hosted by Damon Piatek, President and CEO of Welke Customs Brokers USA. Damon is a licensed U.S. Customs Broker and Certified Customs Specialist with more than 18 years' experience in the import-export customs, transportation, and logistics sectors. Each month, Trade Secrets will bring you guests in the industry to provide their insights on timely trade issues to give you an advantage in international trade. So now, let's talk trade. Welcome to the podcast. Damon Piatek, President and CEO of Welke Custom Brokers USA. We're here with part five of our series, Customs Basics, and we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is duties and import taxes. So there's a lot of confusion around the import taxes, and we're going to talk in a later episode about free trade agreements. But what we want to really focus on is the duties and taxes or tariffs that are placed on goods when they come into the United States. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you a little history lesson here about duties and taxes. So if you go back to the 1700s, early 1800s, when the U.S. was first kind of after that Revolutionary War and our our break from England, the we borrowed the idea of customs from England, which really goes back to an offering to the king or queen when you imported your goods. So you, it was it became custom, and that where that's where we get customs from. It became customs to give an honorarium to the king or queen when you brought your goods in from overseas to sell them in the country. So we borrowed that idea of customs, and we 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 actually after the revolution we took over the customs houses that England built here in the United States. And what would happen is, if you can imagine, that the the customs office uh, uh, was at the port and the customs director at the port could see the entire port and all the wharfs. So they would know when a ship was coming into the United States. And everybody, it was a big deal back then when a ship came in. It's not like daily occurrence here in the United States. It, it was a big deal. So those crews and the, the merchant would be, you know, biting his nails until he got his goods in from that, from that voyage. So everybody went out to meet the ship and the customs director would send, a, would dispatch one of his officers to meet the ship. And then that officer would decide how much was owed to the U.S. government in duties to unload the ship. So it was their responsibility to decide how much would be charged to the merchant, and it was kind of an arbitrary thing. And then from that, we have the inception of the customs broker. And the reason why it's a customs broker is because they brokered the deal between the merchant and customs. But that's kind of a side note. We can talk about that later or when I get my book published, you can read about it in the book. But really, those duties and taxes. So our our country was built on duties, uh, on imported goods. So if you think about where our money came for our federal government, it was from duties and taxes. We didn't have income tax until 1913. So if you think about from 1776 until 1913, the only way that the government really got funds was through taxes on imported goods. So it's strange to me why everybody thinks we we invented taxes to protect U.S. 
uh, uh, U.S. industry and, and, you know, those are things that are used to protect U.S. industry, but it, it's really to make a level playing field and trade globally. So we, we fast forward to today and we want to talk about all the different taxes out there and how to understand what your product gets taxed and why it gets taxed when it's imported in the United States. So when we look at our tariff guide, you're going to have two columns of taxes and there are two columns of duty in there. And one is going to be the general rate of duty. When you look at that, a lot of products in the tariff guide are free. They don't hold any duty. So if you look through all the different products, there's 97 chapters of products in this book. If you've never seen a tariff guide before, it's enormous. It's about the size of, of four New York City phone books, if they even print those anymore. But anyways, um, so that general, rate of con- that general rate of duty is going to be what you pay without a trade agreement. Now, it could be 0% or it could be high of, as high as 40% in some of the textiles. And then there is a secondary column, which is a special rate of duty. Now, that special rate of duty is going to be for countries where we don't have trade agreements for. Uh, so you're going to look at um, th- those are least favored nations in our trade agreements or, or our trade. So those Two columns, you're going to say, is it, a, is it an okay nation? So is it Canada? Is it Mexico? Is it China? Is it uh, Europe? Is it and Germany? That's going to be in that general rate. Now you're going to look at that special rate, and that's for places that we really were not in good stances with. So is it, it, it's, it's places like North Korea. It's places like Cuba. But we have a trade embargo with Cuba, so that's something different. But those countries that we don't have good relationships with, and that list changes. So you're going to want to keep an eye on that list to see if it's under the special rate or if it's the general rate of duty. So that's that's step number one. If you look at what the duty rate is on a product, when we talk about that in this industry, that duty rate is either going to be in the general column for most nations or it's going to be in that special rate, which is going to be higher. Now, we want to talk about anti-dumping and countervailing duties right now. So a lot of companies will look at that general rate and then they say, that's it. Well, yeah, I'm buying this from China and it's 0% and I don't have to worry about anything else. You may have to pay anti-dumping duties on a product and that you're going to have to make sure that you understand what cases are open on what products. So you're going to have to work with your customs broker to understand if there's any anti-dumping or countervailing duties on the product. So these are going to be in addition to that general column. So that general column may be 5% and then you may add on additional anti-dumping countervailing duties of upwards of 400% on some products. Now, the anti-dumping countervailing duties, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, these are in place to protect industry in the United States. So an industry, how they happen, how they occur is an industry in the United States, somebody from that industry will go to the International Trade Court and they will say, China is dumping these products into the United States. And what they mean by dumping is... They're selling them at a rate that we can't produce them in the United States. Their government is subsidizing the export of those, and it's an unfair practice. So the Chinese government may go in and say, we're going to subsidize the export of this product, 
if you export it as a manufacturer, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars from the government to export that product. There's no way that we can compete with that on a dollar-to-dollar basis here in the United States. So it's an unfair trade practice that's going on. So we add in anti-dumping countervailing duties so that we can level out the playing field. The great one about these is, is, is that comes to mind is bedroom furniture. So bedroom furniture made in China has almost 400% anti-dumping duties on it when it comes to the United States. The reason being is because the government is subs- Chinese government is subsidizing that manufacturer to export those products to the United States. And those cases change. So the other thing that you have to watch out with on anti-dumping duties is you may import this product and then that case may not close with the International Trade Court for a number of years. And it happened with softwood lumber from Canada a number of years ago where they decided at the close of the case that it was going to be higher than what everybody was depositing. Now, what you have to understand is when you pay your anti-dumping duties, you're putting a deposit down with U.S. Customs. You're not paying those duties. You're putting a deposit until the case is decided. So they may require you to deposit at 75%, may require you to deposit at 400%. And then when the case is deposit, when the case is decided, then you may have to pay more or less than what you deposited with the government. So you can't think of those anti-dumping duties as an actual payment of the duty. It's not decided until the court case is decided, which may be 10 years, 15 years, 20 years from now, and it may be a different rate than what you imported them as. That's a big misconception about anti-dumping duties. Now, that brings me to the next set of duties, which we've recently heard of, which are the Section 301 duties And then I'm going to talk a little bit about the Section 232 duties. Now, these come from trade acts of many years ago from the 1960s. um, And that gives our government the authority to place additional duties on products if it's going to. Now, the 301 specifically is what I'm talking about, the 301 duties, if there is a potential for the security, it's in the security interest of the United States. We may place additional duties on products that, you know, pose a potential threat to our security if we're purchasing those products from overseas and not manufacturing them here in the United States. So, and other countries. And, you know, these duties are at the president's, uh, you know, they're in his tool chest to be able to use, and they've been there for a very long time. Now, we can impose those on certain products, or he can impose those duties on certain countries, and which this case he did. He imposed those, you know, the Trump administration imposed those on China, the 301 duties, uh, because he felt that they posed a security threat to the United States. Now, we've had a change in administration, and you do not see those duties going away. A number of factors in force here. We have a number of stimulus packages that have been paid out by the government. And if you go back to what I was saying earlier, our federal government is – 
making money on duties and taxes, and that's how they fund some of the government operations still till today outside of the uh, income tax and IRS. We're looking at, you know, we're getting money in from duties and taxes in the 301 sector. It's not going to go away anytime soon. So that's a brief overview of the, the 301 duties. We're going to move on to the 232 duties. Again, it's the same idea, the same concept as those 301s. There's some kind of risk involved, and it, 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 it's to national security. Now, the 232 uh, duties, uh, again, it was the Trade Expansion Act of 1962 that gave the president the authority to impose these taxes. And the 232 duties are imposed on steel and aluminum from certain countries. So you have the 301 that's just imposed on everything, you know, certain products from China that were listed. And these are aluminum and steel from certain countries in the United, you know, from certain countries being imported into the United States. So those are the duties and taxes that we're looking at. So you have, again, just to recap those, and then I'm going to go in some other fees that are out there that you may see on your bill depending on the products. So we have our general rate of duty, which is, you know, those countries that we're in good standing with. The special rate of duty, which is those countries that we're not in good standing with or at war with. So those are going to change as time goes on, and you've got to keep an eye on that. Then we go to anti-dumping countervailing duties, and then we talked about the 301, which are imposed on a country and certain products. There's a number of lists out there of the 301 duties that are in place, and then 232 duties, which is on steel and aluminum from certain countries coming into the United States. So that brings us to fees. So there's going to be some fees that you may see out there. And the first one is MPF or the merchandise processing fee. Now that's a, that's a governmental fee that's charged on every import coming into the United States, regardless of the duty rate. So if the general rate of duty is zero, you're still paying the merchandise processing fee, which is, there's some minimums and maximums there. So it's 0.3464% of the value of the goods is charged as the merchandise processing fee. So let me repeat that, 0.3464%. Now there's minimums and maximums. There's a minimum of $26.79 on the merchandise processing fee and a maximum of $519.76. Those are on formal entries. On informal entries, the minimum is $2.14. So that's going to be charged on everything. The only time that that's not charged is if you have a trade agreement that eliminates the merchandise processing fee. So trade agreements like USMCA, trade agreements like the Israel Free Trade Act, those agreements will eliminate the merchandise processing fee on the product. So you, you get what we call essentially free trade with those countries. The next one that we're looking at is the harbor maintenance fee. Now that is only charged on products that arrive in the United States via ocean vessel. What that does is that fee is paid to the Army Corps of Engineers to maintain the ports so that the ships can come and go freely. So you, what you have to understand is these ports where the, where the ocean vessels come in, they have been, you know, they build up 
sludge and silt and whatever else because of the ocean currents, and they have to be dredged every once in a while so that the ships can maintain clearance to be able to come into the harbor. Now, this has been collected since 1977, and it's 0.125% of the value of the goods. And again, it's on ocean vessels only. So you won't see a harbor maintenance fee on a, a shipment coming in by an airplane. You won't see a, a harbor maintenance fee on a, on a ship or a, a shipment coming in by a train. So then we have, you know, so that's the harbor maintenance fee. Pretty easy to understand. And again, it's to maintain the harbor, and it's point one two five percent of the value of the goods. No minimums, no maximums. Uh, unlike the merchandise processing fee. The last fee that you're going to want to look for is there's some fees charged by the Department of Agriculture. And they're kind of obscure fees. So there's fees on cotton brought into the United States. There's fees associated with beef, pork, honey, watermelon, and mushrooms. So if you're bringing in any of those products, you look for additional fees collected by CBP at the time of entry. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you that list again. It's cotton, beef, pork, honey, watermelon, and mushrooms. So if you're importing any of those products, you're going to see an additional fee outside of the duty, the merchandise processing fee, the harbor maintenance fee, you'll have an additional fee for those products that the U.S. government charges because you're importing those products. So that's the lowdown on duties and taxes collected by the government. So you shouldn't see any other fees on your bill besides those unless there's some obscure fee or duty that's in some trade agreement from 1923 or something like that that the president digs up. Uh, all joking aside, you should really have a good grasp on these duties and taxes if you're importing something. And you should have someone that's maintaining a, 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 a maintaining an eye on or keeping track of those anti-dumping and countervailing cases that go to the International Trade Court because those are changing all the time. And if you're paying anti-dumping and countervailing duties – you want to really keep a close eye on the the case that's going through court and kind of when they when they're going to decide that case because you may be on the hook for more than what you thought. So again, it could be 15 years, could be 10 years from now, but you may be responsible for paying more than what you deposited with you the US government on those anti-dumping and countervailing duties. Again, if you have questions, please feel free to reach out to me. My email is Damon, D-A-M-O-N, at Welke USA, W-E-L-K-E-U-S-A dot com. And I'm more than happy to answer any questions that you send in. But again, thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to the next five parts that we got coming in this Customs Basics. And uh, stay tuned. So we will uh, let you go. And again, any questions, please feel free to send me an email. We'd love to have those questions. This has been Trade Secrets, the podcast hosted by Damon Piatek, President and CEO of Welke Customs Brokers USA. Thank you for listening.